Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune and Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgy and Gray. Yari, lads? No. No. <laughs> Strong start. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm quite happy. Have you come to terms and come to peace with it, have you? I'm just proud, to be fair. I just like we competed with three big dogs, you know? Oh, you soppy, bollocked wanker. I'm devastated. Look at where we were two years ago, man. We were fighting relegation. We were probably 19th in the league. And no, we were. We've just taken four points off PSG, a point off Milan, and Dortmund taught us how to play football. If only your sentimentality could get us through to the next round of Europe, Gray. I can now. If only the referees got it right. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, okay, we'll come on to that. Yes, we are recording the day after. We have exited the Champions League, finishing fourth in what was coined as the group of death when the teams were drawn initially by Eric Abadal, Joe Cole. It's been fun along the way. I'm pulling Gray's leg to an extent. It's been a fantastic journey. It's been some fantastic nights. But unfortunately, it was all for now as we exit the Champions League. A few tens of million there, I think, will be in the bank account come the end of the season. True, actually. Didn't quite think of that, yeah. Financially beneficial, but uh, yeah. So a couple of things to talk about this episode. Unfortunately, both are negative. <laughs> so this episode, we're going to be covering the 4-1 thrashing away at Spurs at the weekend. And then, yes, as we've alluded to, the exit in the Champions League to the hands of AC Milan last night. Whew. Before we get on to that, Hodgy, how was your Christmas party? I was good. Did you embarrass yourself? Uh, no, I didn't. No, no. I recommend going to a place called Sexy Fish for some scran like it was unreal. The sushi in the oh yeah, top notch, good cocktails as well. Where is it, Hodge? Somewhere in London, Soho-ish area. I don't know. Big up London, yes. So you didn't embarrass yourself despite working for a drinks brand and there being copious amounts of alcohol there. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. But Hodge is known to drink like an absolute fish and eat like a pig. So probably <laughs> well fed and well watered, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was feeling too rough on the train on the way back up, were you? I was very tired on the train back up and I fell asleep oh, and yeah. I woke up as we pulled into Darlington and I was like, shit, is this new? I was like, is this Newcastle? And I was like, oh no, it's not like Darlington. I was like, thank fuck for that. Still got a few more winks to be had. Uh, Gray, have you had a Christmas party yet? I have, but I didn't go. What? Because I'm super fun like that. Where did you go? All my team are down south anyway, so there's only about 10 of us in the Newcastle office. So it would have been... The drinks budget goes further when there's less of you. I'll tell you who would go to a Christmas party and have fun. Ali Fraser. Is there a story here or what? <laughs> no, it's just he's more fun than Grey. 
right. uh, <laughs> I've got my Christmas party tomorrow, actually. Looking forward to it. Where are you going? Some place in London, Lincoln's Inn Fields or something, some room that's going to have food and drinks. And apparently it's a Cluedo theme, but I'm not buying a fucking... That's where I stayed. Around there. Oh, really? Is that Covent Garden? Holborn, Covent Garden, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stayed in the um, club quarters there. Hey, there that you was go. the hotel I was staying in. I'm sure everyone's really interested to hear about our Christmas parties. Oh, small world. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, I had one Christmas-related question for you both. Gray will go to you first, seeing as your Christmas party answer was so disappointing. What is your favourite item on a Christmas dinner? Pace and blankets. Okay, no deliberation. We thought we'd lost him there for a second. But <laughs> eerily quiet, but he's coming with a very strong answer. Pigs and blankets. Hodgie? I like a Yorkshire pudding, man. Loads of people will kick off and they'll go, Ooh, what the fuck are you putting Christmas that? dinner? Yes, yeah. 100% you can't, you can't have a Yorkshire pudding on a Christmas dinner. Fill that with gravy and all the bits and get involved. Yes, man. Be like you're bastardising Jesus's birthday dinner. Why? <laughs> <laughs> not right it's not right mate why is it not right where you'd have it on a sunday dinner and it's basically a sunday dinner there's just something about it yorkshire puddings and turkey just not the one like don't have turkey then (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck yeah why did i think of that gray you're the casting vote yorkshire puddings on christmas dinner but he's gonna say no i'm married to someone from yorkshire so i have to tread carefully here don't i but i'd say no good lad i've always known you'd be my best friend both wrong I'd probably go for like all the fucking sauces and that you get, like uh, bread sauce, cranberry sauce. Bread sauce. Bread sauces. Oh my God, the one. My mum makes the best bread sauce. Chestnut sauce as well, because you get the leftover sandwiches the day after. So the best bit about a Christmas dinner is the liquid bit, is what you're saying. It's nothing that you can... They're liquid, f- are they? The sauces, mate. The <laughs> fucking what else do you want? Yeah, I've lost quite a lot of respect. You know, I've got to say. There's so many things. A good roast potato is far superior than yes. cranberry or bread sauce. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you going to have a dry roast potato, though? Gravy. Because no, you've got gravy, haven't you? Yeah. Which is what? A sauce. A fucking but not, sauce. But it's not the best bit, though, is it? For me, it is, because it's different from like your, your, your average from your average roast dinner. You oh wouldn't my. have like bread sauce, chestnut sauce, cranberry sauce on a fucking normal roast, would you? It's, it's just as well we talk about football, not food, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Big up sauces. Yeah, big up sauces and Yorkshire puddings on Christmas dinners for fuck's sake. (laughs) There's a sense of delaying the inevitable again, but I suppose we better rip off that band-aid and talk about some football. So, coming off the back of a horrendous 3-0 defeat away to the Scouts Mackhams in Liverpool, we go into our game against Spurs. Again, we're starting with the same eleven that I think has started the last 47 games in the league. Tired lads tired out on their feet and we succumb to you'd probably say a bit of a Spurs masterclass we don't want to spend any time talking about Spurs we'll focus on Newcastle but let's not take away from the fact they had a very good game Son in particular I think Trippier is still having nightmares over but they just had us all ends up from a tactical point of view Ange Ball was kind of at play at its finest wasn't it Hodge and we just couldn't deal with it yeah, but I think we also had our chances that we just didn't put away, and I think that's come back to bite us again. Yeah, that's a good point. Bloody Miggy. Oh, you fuck, don't start on Miggy at the minute, man. Oh, I'm going to get a voodoo doll with that fucker on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shiro was saying the other day, shout out to Ali for saying about the podcast that he's put me on the one with Shiro, Lineker, and uh, Mika Richards. The rest is football, yeah. Not as good as ours, obviously. That's why people listen to us. But he was saying that we are doing the right things. It is that final little piece of the puzzle that is just stopping us from gaining victories or killing games off the main one was actually a good well not really our fault i suppose that ball across the box where i think was it gordon put it across and 
is it Davis for them who got a flick onto it and just took it away from Isaac, like tapping it in? Yeah, yeah. That's just like fantastic defending. I can't really do much about that, but there's been many others since I suppose Joe Linton's missed headers against Dortmund that were just rude and it, it's starting to get annoying. But I get the whole kind of yes, if we had more people to maybe put on and change the game, that might help us in certain times, especially in the last 20 minutes when people have been running around like headless chickens, chasing the ball, pressing the ball. Well, yeah, I think you brought me nicely onto my, my next point is that between two minds here, there's yes. The squad is very threadbare at the minute, but these players are playing like once or twice a week. They're professional footballers, as Gray would say, with all the best facilities, training facilities, medical treatment available to them. I don't think we can put things down to being tired. Where the issues around injuries and suspensions come in is that lack of depth to bring on to change the game or to influence the game in the dying stages and put games to bed. That's where. I have a particular issue with the number of injuries that we have and why I moan and whinge about how we've got absolutely no players. The players who are starting, mm-hmm. I'll bring you into this, Gray, don't worry. I'm sure you're going to disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> the players that are starting on the pitch are professional footballers who should be able to last 90 minutes at a high standard. They're all very, very good footballers, but we can't put defeats against Spurs in particular and Everton down to our tiredness maybe AC Milan, but not against Everton and Spurs. Gray, proceed. I agree with probably 95% of what he said. Oh, that was easy then. Let's move on. But at the intensity we're expected to play at and the way we have been playing, I think it's a little bit unfair to say that they should be able to run around for 180 minutes, probably closer to 200 minutes of football a week. Yeah, you feel really bad for them, don't you, on their 140 grand a week? Yeah, but... It's, it's still like they are, they are human at the end of the day. If we were to run 12K in 90 minutes, I don't even think either, any of us could run 12K in 90 minutes if we tried twice a week. I'm sure after the fifth week. See how he quickly caveated that there. Because like, yeah. he then realised that 12 kilometres in, in an hour and a half actually wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if we did that for, say, six weeks on the trot, I think it, we, we would start feeling it in our legs as well. Okay, so if you're saying it's unfair to put it down or say that tiredness isn't a factor or that, yes, you feel sympathy for them for being tired, it's quite intense, what do you put the displays at Everton and Spurs down to? It's it's down to the number of injuries and lack of ability to probably rotate a competitive squad. Okay, so this is where we agree, right? We've got 12, 13 players out injured and that's basically a full team if we've got five of them coming off a bench each week, it's a hell of a lot easier to then rest players like Gordon, Miggy, Bruno, Joe Linton, Trippier, everyone. Like Shah's played pretty much every minute of football this season. And it's just mm. like, yeah, it just enables us to just take them off for 15, 20 minutes here. Maybe we've got an opportunity to be a bit more clinical because you can see just the sharpness and speed we're passing, the efforts, especially I think to highlight Miggy as well, I think, a lot of his shots are a hell of a lot weaker than they were last year. And whether that some of that comes down to fatigue at him just trying to hit the target over power, I don't know. But yeah, I think we've been unlucky. But I think there's also a bit of blame to say we should have been rotating a lot more a lot earlier. But we're out to win games. We want to play our strongest 11, 14 players each week. And mm. yeah, we want to win games of football. And that's what, as a Newcastle fan, 
that's what I enjoy watching. I want us to play on the front foot and we're trying to win games and that's exactly what we're doing, even though we've got half a fit squad and those who are fit seem to be hobbling around. Yeah. He's not a big fan of rotation, is he, Hodgie, which is probably bitten him in the arse at this point. Eddie Howe, I should say. Yeah. He's just a very competitive manager. You know, he doesn't really, I suppose, show it too much in flailing his arms around on the sideline like Arteta. Oh, I like and, it, yeah. <laughs> do you like that little pun? Yeah, good. But in, inside, in his head, you know that he is super competitive. Obviously thought that we could get into Champions League and also keep pushing this season for getting into that top four spot. So if you probably asked him, are you too competitive? You might probably say at the end of his career, goes, I might have been at some point, but... I think what he has to do is also, as a professional, keep trying to win games and putting out the strongest team at any one time is always going to be the biggest thing. I think what we need to do is potentially, like the games against Spurs, is realise kind of, okay, yes, it's 3-0 and it's 80-something minutes, let's rest somebody maybe, or like get them off earlier Mm. and and call the game dead and go, right, okay, yep, clean sleep next, next week, we've got a couple of percentage of battery left in a couple of key players' legs. That's maybe a, a way that we can kind of get around this, especially with players not being available to come on and give that extra little bit. I mean, not trying to say anything bad against what we have because Miley's come through and has shown us what what kind of we could have in the locker. So I want a bit more of a, more of a rotation when we know the game is either done in our favour or, or done in a done in opposition's favour just at the minute, just to yeah. save it over, especially over this really busy Christmas period, man. Just provided the game is put to bed at that stage. Yeah. We did exactly that against Chelsea. Like we brought on three lads under the age of 19 with 10 minutes to go because we were 4-1 up. Didn't do it against Spurs, though, did he? It's not like we could have got back into the game. Well, we are 2-0 down with five minutes to play, so there's still probably a chance to claw something back there, but not with the legs that we had. We were 3-0 down after 60, and then 4-0 down after 85. Was I thought they scored yeah. a few stats. He's got you there, Gray. He's got you hook, line, and sink, your lad. But I, I see where you're coming from, Hodge. Like, we've missed that chance to rotate and we didn't have injury issues to the extent we did last season. But I feel like this time last year, we were going through a bit of a blip as well. We, we seem to have these blips in the season. I don't know when the. I think last season it was probably more so that other teams had maybe figured us out a little bit and knew how to play against us. But this season, we're just absolutely pillaged with injuries. Still 11 out. Exactly, exactly. The, the one thing that really annoyed me was the run-up to the fucking game. The commentators and the pundits talking about like Spurs' level of injuries and how many injuries Spurs have. And we've probably got a half or a third of the injuries that we have. Yes, they've got James Madison and Mickey Van der... What was he called? Van der Ven. Van der Ven, yeah. Yeah, Van der Ven. We've got a whole 11 out through either injury or in suspension. Like, boo-hoo Spurs. I've actually got the English Premier League injury table up in front of me because oh, yeah. I've been speaking to a Man U fan for the last couple of days and have he's been like... See, whinging about it, me, mate. They've currently got 13. Three of them, I don't recognise their names. Oh, <laughs> so it's like name. including like a lot of people. Spurs have... Well, Spurs have got nine. I recognise, I think, pretty much all of them. But it's it's a common problem across the whole thing. And like the, the only team that has got the fewest is West Ham with one. Mikel Antonio, who's out, that's it. Then you've got like teams on five, four, three. The only teams that uh, seem to be having problems with us, Spurs and Man United. Yeah. Like you say, though, the commentators are coming up being like, oh, well, these people have got more. Everyone's got the same issues at, at, at the certain end of a table. You know what I mean? If, if you're pushing mm. and really striving to be the best and get into certain situations where your club really deserves to be or wants to be, like top four, top five, 
you're going to be stretched. You're going to get them players pushing a little bit more. So I understand where the injuries come from. Yeah, It's just a bit like a, uh, it's an unlucky thing. And mm-hmm. having that extra rotation available. I mean, we got unlucky with a couple. I think yeah. Tenali, for example, might have been able to do something different over the last couple of things. There's also been some really freak ones as well, like Harvey Bonds having this mid-foot injury, which no one seems to understand. I think Pope's been super unlucky to dislocate his shoulder. Murphy's yeah. super unlucky to dislocate his shoulder. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, twice. There's just some real freak incidents that have happened and just so much you'll probably never see again. You can't call them, you can't predict them, can you? Uh, mm. I think we've been really unlucky, but I'm, I'm also, I'm bored of talking about our injuries myself. Like, you have to come to terms with it at some point and try and deliver through. I mean, we had Lewis Miley playing against Chelsea and like we won that game 4-1 with the same kind of threadbare squad as we'd put out against Everton and Spurs. Is it Fortress St. James's there, wasn't it? <laughs> Which obviously did us loads of favours last night against Milan. But yeah, I get that's a big factor for us. I think there's more of a fundamental issue around our away form. I'd love to understand at some point the mentality and the science, if there is a science behind why you perform. It's obviously the support, I get that. But why it can so drastically affect your form or why the two forms can be so different home and away. I don't know if either of you have an idea, but... Just one of those ones I'd really like to understand why it is so clear to see with some teams. We could probably spend an hour talking yeah. about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah. Like, like, te- like teams say they come to St. James's and struggle because of the slope, which I find complete nonsense because it's only probably about three and a half, four foot. But then also I think it we is like the same that, slope. But we used to we play every other week and we train on it and that sort of thing. So they built the ground at Benton to replicate the slope, didn't they? And things like that. So Very we train on it. Um, but I think it is for home crowd. You've got that extra bit of adrenaline. You've got that support, that 12th man, people say, pushes you on. It gives you that extra 5 6% to press and run that little bit harder. So that, that's what I think would be the key difference. Okay, I think I'm sick of talking about spurs and injuries. Uh, <laughs> we'll go to a very quick break now, and then we'll come back with the inevitable AC Milan result and our exit of the Champions League. Boo, freaking who. Please come back. See you in a sec. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Unfortunately, we are back to talk about yet another loss. I'd love to actually talk about a win at one point during these fucking podcast recordings. It's a long and distant memory at this stage, but... Yes, unfortunately, we've seen Newcastle United after 21 years of no Champions League exit during the group stages. No thanks to Dortmund, who I thought would do us a big favour. It's not like I went on TalkSport and told Jason Cundy <laughs> that I thought we'd win against AC Milan and <laughs> Dortmund would, would do us a favour against PSG. I did all of that. None of that came true. So I feel a bit silly now, but we're talking about the subject of 
the crowd behind you. It's one thing we've all been really calling out for. The crowds get behind it. We want to see your replication of PSG for one at home. Crowd's got to see you through. And it certainly did in the first half. We were by far the better team against Milan in the first half, and the players were up for it. You got Anthony Gordon geeing up the crowd, Bruno waving his arms around, Joe Linton bigging the crowd up. Like it felt like it was going our way. Yeah, and when I add Miley to that list as well, I think he was the first player. I think he went a tackle and he got everyone going pumping his arms, which is actually really good to see from a young lad. But yeah, I mean, we were just dominant and we didn't give AC a sniff and we just seemed to cut the ball out so well. Any stray pass, any second ball, we were there picking it up. We were attacking with real purpose as well. I mean, I think that showed by just the quality of finish from Joe Linton. But we had opportunities and then Miggy had one cleared off the line, which how that didn't go in. And I'm sure we'll touch on that as well, whether he should have used his other foot. But you've got to give a little bit of credit to Milan as well. They obviously have experience and just managed to stay in the game. Like Everyone says in the Champions League, in these competitions, you just need to stay in the game and anything could happen in the last 10 minutes. Like There's always that opportunity. PSG did exactly the same. They stayed in the game. And look what happened there. And it's just... Yeah, I think just a bit of experience there and just us not being, again, clinical enough. We mentioned it the last three episodes. We just need to be far more clinical and we can't miss big opportunities like we have done previously. And yeah, it came back to bite us again a little bit. Indeed it did. Hodgie, I'll give you the pleasure of talking about Joe Linton's goal and the lead up to it because it was one hell of a finish, wasn't it? And one hell of a celebration as well. <laughs> that was <laughs> so cool. absolute proper ball. I just stand there going, yeah, I just did that fool. Uh, no, <laughs> unreal. Um, I think uh, shout out to Gordon there, and I suppose shout out to Livermento playing that left hand side as well. Like I think they both had an absolute stormer game. Yeah, it was constant chance of Tino Tino throughout the game where I was sat, and I thought they were both amazing. I think uh, uh, Gordon that cuts across, but kind of plays a little ball through, gets cut back. I can't remember who cuts it back, but Lewis Miley falls straight into Joe Linton's lap, controls it in. Pops up nicely for him to just smash straight through back into the top corner. Nearly burst the net, man. Oh, 100%. He was, hit it so class. hard. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty much straight behind that, and it looked so good going in, man. I, was, I don't think I'll forget that one for a long time. <laughs> Excellent goal. Excellent goal. And I just thought it was going to set the tone for the rest of the match. As you say, that it was the rest of the first half. A sublime tackle from Fikayo Tomori. And I'll have the displeasure of talking about when we should have been 2-0 up. But yeah, good play on that right-hand side. Can't remember who puts it in, but I don't even know how he's managed to do it. But Miggy being so reliant and dominant on his left foot, he has an open goal in front of him. The ball has beaten the keeper. All he has to do is sweep the ball in with his right foot. He waits for it to fall and come across his body for his favoured left foot, giving Tomori the opportunity to stick a leg in and make a magnificent goal line tackle. Everyone's bigging up the tackle as they rightly should. It was a fantastic tackle, but we shouldn't have even been in that position. The ball should have been in the net two seconds before that's even got a chance to happen. If anyone wants to disagree, I'll punch him in the face. But yet again, we're talking about Miggy's over-reliance on his left foot and lack of right foot. And we talk about Miggy, we'll go hot and cold on him every single week. He's obviously been brilliant for us. He's really industrious. number of times he won the ball back yesterday, I think is really good. Tracking back is good. It's just, as Hodgie was saying, or via Alan Shearer, or Alan Shearer via Hodge, it's being clinical in the final third and putting these chances away that's going to win us games and get us through. Anyone have anything else to say on on kind of Miggy's chance? Hodgie, I'll try and control yourself. 
<laughs> no, I think uh, at the end of the game, you could see that he was, yeah, he wasn't happy with himself, I don't think. Uh, and I kind of get, like, rightly so. I don't necessarily feel sorry for him because I think he, he really knows in himself that he should have done that. And I think from now on, we might see him use his right foot a little bit more if he's learned anything. <laughs> yeah. But I think as a, as a whole game, he honestly gave his all. He made some really quite key passes at certain times. His, his defending, like you say, was was really good, spot on. He, he worked his arse off for the team, but I wouldn't say it's unlucky in terms of what happened there. I think he, he should have probably finished it. Yeah, what he absolutely should have done. He, he gets a really hard time, Gray, a lot of the time because he's an attacking player. He's on that right wing. But yeah, the one thing that really did stick out to me yesterday was how industrious he was and how well he worked tracking back. And I think that is really invaluable on that right-hand side, as obviously Kieran Trippier likes to progress up the pitch a lot and, and put the balls in, he's relying on Miggy's tracking back to help him out when someone like Milan will inevitably counter-attack. Something that you not necessarily expect or get from every right-winger. No, and I think it's something we're quite lucky to have in Miggy. The smile, I think, has been wiped off his face after the last few weeks, but I mean, he seems to love it and he just, just runs and runs and runs. I mean... There's probably only one player in our squad who covers more ground than him. That's probably Longstaff when he's fit. But yeah, he's just everywhere. To be fair, everyone yesterday just tracked back really, really well. But yeah, he was the only one that stood out. Great interceptions, great tackles. And he was probably one of the reasons why we kept them so quiet in the first half. Getting back, being that extra body to cut out that pass or make that tackle. And yeah, I think we were probably quite fortunate last year for him to score as many goals as he did and I think that might have been a don't want to say a fluke but a peak (laughs) peak season for him I think we could probably expect seven to eight goals not 10 plus it's the expectation everyone talks about hope and wanting a team that tries but now we expect to be scoring some of these chances and I think that's where a lot of frustration can boil over but you need to look at it as a whole, don't you? And we we outplayed AC Milan for 45 minutes thanks to a lot of effort from Miggy. I mean, let's not get away from the fact he should have scored that. I mean, we can talk about how good he is. As I said, like I've, I've led the charge of how good he is tracking back, but he should be putting those away. And someone like a Harvey Barnes, you would probably expect to put that away. For example, Tony Gordon, if he's in that position and the form he's in, you probably expect him to put it away. Just moving on from that really quickly, Hodge. Really sloppy goal to concede for Milan to equalise? Yeah, I think they got quite lucky, to be fair. I think the shot that comes in, well, finds its way luckily to Giroud, otherwise, well, actually, let's just say fantastic pass, by the way, from Giroud, just to spot that so easily to slip it back over to the side. But I think they got really lucky there. They were under a bit of pressure for a little bit, but I think all in all, it was a, a big swing point. I think we'd put so much effort in and the next step for that would have been to get back control ourselves without having to kick the ball off again if that makes sense so yeah absolute swing point in the game and I'm I'm a bit annoyed that it came down to something that was pretty well a little bit of luck really from that point a a frustrating goal to concede let's put it that way and it was sloppy but that wasn't of course to be the end of it it could have gone very differently barring an absolute wonder save from Mike Mannion the AC Milan goalkeeper who seemed to have lost his head in the first half, but then pulls out an absolute wonder save from Bruno Guimaraes, Gray, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, how much you knew about it, again, we mentioned a bit of luck for their goal. Yeah, he's just got a 
a hell of a hand to it and to deflect it onto the bar at the power as well Bruno's put behind it and he's actually hit the ball almost orthodoxly for once I was crying out in the pub the other day I've heard you just like I want Bruno to strike the ball like a footballer not any of this outside of the foot stuff which he loves to do but yeah hell of a strike again and yeah keep it unsighted for a lot of it and just yeah somehow got it onto the bar but you feel like another couple of inches that could have easily just grazed his thumb or something like that and, and gone in a great save to keep them in it and we talked about just how they stayed in the game and just a huge huge moment for us yeah uh, we all thought it was in i felt like that almost like inspired them and gave them the confidence to go on push on i think if it wasn't for the position we were in the champions league group at that stage we wouldn't have seen fabian share be in that position pushing it forward to try and win the game for us so at that stage i think we were third so still in europe um, all we needed was a draw against Milan to go third and go through to the Europa League group stages, which, again, I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing to add more football to the schedule. I'm sure Hodge has a few opinions on that, but um, <laughs> it just felt like we were really gunning, which is not a bad thing. The team, he made some changes, so he brought on Isaac quite early to replace Gordon. We saw Callum Wilson come on. And we saw Sean Longstaff come on as well, which is good to see these players back and giving the boys a bit of a rest, as you said. Dan Byrne came on for Trippier. Which meant Tino could go to right back. Thought Tino was fantastic again yesterday. He had Rafael Liao completely under wraps the whole game. So the position we were in at the league at the time, it was clearly known to the players on the pitch and it feels like they were told to go for it, Hodge, which inevitably led to our downfall as Fabian Scher gets caught out of position and we go 2-1 down to it a lightning fast AC Milan counter-attack. Yeah, and I'm I'm not mad at it, to be fair. I know we kind of, like we said before, like Eddie Howe is someone that really goes for it. And with the fans behind his back, he definitely thought he had a chance and he was obviously relying a, a little bit on Dortmund trying to get a little bit more against PSG. But without actually watching that PSG game on the sideline, he wouldn't have known that PSG were running the show pretty much against Dortmund. But to have that option of potentially be like, right, okay, let's just try and calm it down. Let's try and really certify this, get this 1-1 and see where we can go in Europa would be great. The thing that I'm a little bit annoyed about is people leaving pretty sharply after the AC Milan goal, the second one. You've come all this way with the club to get to this point in the Champions League. We've not been here for so long. I think we've mentioned this before, but to leave at that point is the worst thing. You can't, like, you can't even use the excuse of, oh, well, I want to get to my carb and beat the traffic. That's fucking bullshit. Everybody needed to be behind the club at that point and for you to just get up and leave. If you're listening, it was one of you. Sorry about this, but I, I think that is a completely wrong decision that you might would have made there. Don't be sorry. It's ridiculous. I think that when it comes out of this and everyone was screaming, everyone was chanting and we're losing voices, the players can see people leaving. I mean, how many people were oh, leaving? People started Mass. flooding, mate. With 10 minutes to go? Where I was sitting, I could see the whole Melbourne stand the posh section in the middle started fucking off. That'd be great. Then, then. the kind of outskirts started going. Some of the people in the gallery started leaving. I was like, that's, that's horrific. That. That's, not, that's not cricket or football. <laughs> With still us, you'd say, yeah. being in, in the game. Still had it. 18 minutes to go. All we needed was a goal. And then it probably meant it being like, right, okay, now, lads, we got a bit lucky here. Now we're back into it. Sit back and see what we can do for 18 minutes because we can still have Europa League after this, which would have been just as entertaining for people to keep travelling abroad. But no. Nah. That's yeah, that's my little run over there. Sorry about that. 
Mm-hmm. I've got a point on the build-up to their second goal, which I think was huge as well. And we see teams do it against us all the time. And that's just to make a little tactical foul as they're breaking away. And I think both Longstaff and Isaac had the opportunity to make a foul I think Bruno did. in the build-up to their goal and failed to. And whether that's us just being a bit too innocent I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Bruno Guimaraes being innocent. <laughs> <aren't we? laughs> yeah, there, there was a huge opportunity. Like AC Milan did it. The minute that AC Milan equalised, they were yanking our shirts back and pulling us back every time we got in their half. The rugby tackle on Isaac as well. Yeah, Fucking yeah, hell, yeah. that was bad. Was that a Musa lad? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think we just bit naive in breaking down that play as soon as possible. Yeah, gameplay could have been better. As Mourinho would say, get a bit of bastard in you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, which I think we are missing a little bit. It's reading the game as opposed to playing the game, isn't it, Gray? Read the situation you're in, your centre-halves in the other box. Take him down! But yeah, there you go. It wasn't meant to be. Frustrations all round. Hodgie's been able to get his run out. It's, a, it's very <laughs> sad, but... Um, we can probably reflect on it at the end of the season, but it's been a fantastic experience. Oh, it's been amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Having the chance to go to a Champions League game and watch Newcastle United has been an experience I'll never forget. Same for you boys, especially Gray being at the PSG game. Ali as well, fantastic experiences. And I think although we're being quite negative, negative Nellies and, and quite down in the dumps, I am obviously still massively proud of the players. And we have to give ourselves a bit of perspective, don't we? Going into this season, even going into last season, who knew we would have been here complaining and whinging about exiting the fucking Champions League, being seventh in the league. Was it quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup and got Sunderland coming up in the FA Cup? How times have changed. So I guess give your head a bit of a wobble. It's again, we talk about it's the start of the project. This is just the beginning, you would hope. Lots of strengthening for the the club to do in January, I'd say, to keep up the charge and keep up the momentum. And when I say keep up the momentum, get some fucking momentum back and try and get us into an automatic Champions League spot or at least some form of European football and give ourselves a big pat on the back at the end of the season for getting through so many fucking games. That's my little piece there. Anything else you two soppy fuckers want to reflect on? <laughs> Just want to call out Lewis Miley being the youngest ever English player to assist for an English club. He had a very Champions good League. game yesterday. He had a poor game against Spurs. I think the, the game got away from him. I think Everton as well. But against Chelsea and Milan, I think he's shown real talent. Again, he needs to add that element of progressing the ball up the pitch. So to get another assist is good. He obviously assisted, was it Isaac against Chelsea? Yeah, a few weeks back so a couple of assists for him now I'd like to see more from him defensively if that's the kind of player he's going to be like a number eight I'd like to see more of him defensively he gets himself in really good positions he's a really good passer of the ball confident picking it up and can progress the ball nicely so yeah you're right to call him out Gray had a really good game Joe Linton had a good game as well Tino is fantastic he's a serious player unreal to be on both I mean uh, Trippier is obviously out for Fulham that we'll come on to next. So another suspension. Thankfully, we're welcoming players like Longstaff and Wilson back. There's Dan Byrne as well, obviously, who can now slot into left back, which will allow Tino to go back to right back, which is a normal position. So I'm comfortable with that. But what a challenge Fulham's going to be. I think they've had two 5-0 victories on the bounce now. Nottingham Forest and West Ham. Hodge, how are you feeling going into the Fulham game? And we'll round it up after that. 
Uh, yeah, it's not nice to have that before they come play, but it is at Fortress St. James. We have played harder opposition in the run-up to this, so I think we should be able to cope with some of the players that they've got and what they're going to be able to throw to us. And I'm going to say we're going to bounce back with a, a 1-0 victory, I think. Interesting. Interesting. I always find myself in negative pits, not knowing how the fuck we're going to get out of these situations. Oh, I know, I know. But quite <laughs> often, quite often is the case, Newcastle will surprise me and we'll get a surprise, decent result out of the game. So Hodge is saying 1-0 to the tune. Gray, what are you saying? I'm a little bit nervous, especially given one of Dan Burns interviews today, saying that he would probably prefer to couple more weeks to recover but given the situation he's obviously being Mind forced games. back in telling you but i'm probably on the similar lines of Hodge. i don't think we'll have the same creativity without trippier down the right hand side free kicks set plays maybe a little bit weaker so yeah probably gonna say one nil yeah i was gonna say two one i thought they may score but now i'm gonna say we'll keep a clean sheet one Good. Okay. Raul Jimenez in good form. A lot of their players scoring goals. They've got a really dangerous midfield. I'm a bit worried, but regardless of that, I'm going to say 2-0 to the tune. <laughs> I'll absolutely shit myself, but I think we'll win 2-0. And that'll do it. This is supposed to be a quick one, but I feel better after that. It's felt cathartic. Nice to reflect back on some of the games that we have had and good luck for the lads against Fulham this weekend. I guess all that leaves us to do is say thank you all very much for listening and we will be back with a recording after our Carabao Cup quarterfinal game at Chelsea next week. So thanks very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye. Oh, don't say ciao. Italians, fuck. <laughs> it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.